0: This is the Non-Typical Nation Podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric LaBrie.
1: Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it.
0: Let's kick her off. It is August and we are back with another podcast. The sun is shining and I'd have to say this is probably the earliest in the day we've ever done a podcast.
1: Yeah, it's uh, almost noon. It's almost a little early. noon. Yeah, yeah you betcha. Eight hours from now.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... Uh, We're creeping up on hunting season here, and we know we're going to be strapped for time, right? As soon as August 25th comes around, even 23rd or 24th for you, um, things are going to be limited. When we aren't working, we're going to want to be out hunting, or we're going to be out hunting, or checking cameras, or whatever. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can uh, get a few done here before then. And uh, I'm gonna sneak out this afternoon and get on the lake and hopefully catch some fish. So
1: right on, man. It's a, it's a beautiful day out there. It's it's too hot in my opinion to go fishing. So uh, yeah, we might we might get out on the lake too and maybe pull a tube around or something. But yeah, it is. Uh, it's like 30 degrees here this past week. It is toasty. Um,
0: I love it though, man. I like it. We don't get much of this hot weather, so I'll take it. I noticed on uh, my weather app it says we have a heat warning. Yeah,
1: yeah I've e-warning. noticed a
0: lot of warnings lately. It's a heat warning, thunder warning, wind warning, and uh, health warning. Health warning. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's odd because it's just it's warm
1: weather. Yeah, yeah. Like is, a- is
0: this abnormal? I don't think so. Do we have to be warned because there's hot weather outside?
1: It's a world of. Uh- Warning everybody about everything. I yeah. Guess. They,
0: it, everyone's supposed to be scared yeah. or worried about something. Culture, Warning, yeah. the weather's hot. Warning, it's windy outside. Warning, there might be some lightning in the sky. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, little
1: ridiculous if you ask me. It is. Yeah. It
0: is. So I had a little conspiracy I came up with. Okay. You know, I go on these little yeah. conspiracy things every now and then. So they don't want people together in big groups. They've said it on the radio uh, we have a long weekend. People are going to meet together. We're going to see a spike in COVID-19 cases. So what better way of stopping people from going outside and getting together by putting warnings on?
1: hmm
0: The weather's hot. Let's put a warning. People aren't going to want to go out to the beach. Or let's put a wind warning, because that day, the wind's going to go up to 40 kilometers an hour, which is totally freaking normal. Yeah, you might get a leaf blow in your face yeah. or some sand blow up in your eyes or something. Yeah. Like boo-hoo. You know, so... Uh, yeah i'm just gonna leave that there let's leave that you were out fishing last night how'd that go
1: um it went well actually you know there's uh it was a good wind so there's good walleye chop and uh, it took us a little while to find them but it seems i've been out the last two nights now and uh it really seems like as soon as that sun hits the horizon going down yeah the walleye just they just uh they come out of the woodwork Really, eh? So it's pretty slow during the day. Um, it's not bad. I haven't been out during the day because yeah. it's been so hot and we've been working all week and everything. Um, but in the evenings, you know, we were out. Two nights ago, we were out about eight o'clock, and the walleye. Like we were on them right away. You know, we both caught a few right away, but pretty, pretty. Uh, you know, not like every cast, not like what we're used to, right? Yeah. But were and, you fishing uh, that spot, or you're fishing? Oh, we we're fishing just a couple different spots. Okay, yeah. and. Uh, as soon as the sun, as soon as that sun hit the horizon and started going down, um, the fish just came out of nowhere. And, and even the ones we caught early on, I think I told you this yesterday, the ones that we were catching early on were just nibbling. They were stealing minnows. Um, you'd catch them, get them halfway up to the boat. And then, you, you know, they'd spit the hook out. You're just hooking them real light. And then as soon as that sun went down, they were, they were gulping that hook in really? so they were, they were taking them in the roof of the mouth and full on in the lip and, and, so... and we had no problem bringing them in they weren't they weren't just nibbling like they were where were before. you fishing um so last couple days we've been fishing out in front of uh, devonshire okay yeah and mm-hmm. I, I don't really like fishing there uh, a lot of people yeah, fish so this there. Is on
0: lesser slave lake this is lesser slave yeah. lake yeah
1: so a, a ton of people fish there you know it's nice and close it's a two minute boat ride from the river And, uh, you know, there's always a million people there, but I just don't, I I like to go fish, you know, out by the Island or on the North side of the lake. And I just don't like being around people. I like the different scenery. I don't want to be sitting there looking at somebody's house, bobbing my, you know, jigging my line. And
0: that's how it is at the beach. Usually you're surrounded by 20 other boats. You'll see everyone playing at the beach. You'll see the houses. Um, so why did you go fishing there? or just uh, We
1: just strapped for time. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, it's so you just get close. There it's nice and easy. And, and, you know, there's always fish there, but I find that they're, you know, they're on the smaller side compared to these other pockets I, I usually fish. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you can catch good fish anywhere, and every fisherman will tell you something different. But, uh, yeah, I just, I think we, I fished so much in front of the beach when we were kids and everything that just... I would just prefer to go somewhere else. And
0: you're, uh, so last night and the day before you are just tossing an anchor and jigging or what Yeah, were just doing? jigging. That's, yeah.
1: that's pretty much all we do this, this time of year is just drop and jig. What depth are you fishing at? Um, we ranged it between, so we started at about nine. The water's gotten warm the last week. Yeah. So the water's actually last night, uh, or sorry, two nights ago, the water was in front of the beach at 22 degrees Celsius. Wow. Which is very warm it for is. this lake, yeah. especially this early. Like, usually, usually I like to say that by the end of August, it's a comfortable swimming temperature right before, you know, the air temperature starts to drop. Yeah. And so it's funny because this lake is so big that once it gets warm enough to swim, it starts getting cold outside. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you have a very slim uh, swimming season in this lake.
0: Yeah, no, that's so true
1: um but yeah so it was about 22 degrees so we tried fishing uh a little bit shallower at first at about eight feet and then uh we just weren't really having any luck so we are moving a little bit further deeper deeper and then we found at about 12 and 13 feet is where the fish are sort of hanging out right now and uh yeah you know it's just trial and error but uh this time of year if you're using the right you know you're just using minnows and you're dropping a jig right beside the boat, you pretty much can't go wrong. Nope. You know, you're going to catch a fish or a couple, an hour at least. Yeah. And then if you're right on them, it's, it's like when we were out the other night and uh, that last podcast. Yeah, that fishing it's just, podcast. You know, one it's right non-stop. after the other, it's nonstop. Yeah, so we're uh, we're hopefully going to head
0: out around two or three o'clock today, go till seven or eight. And um, and so, yeah, I'm torn because it, it is a little breezy out there today. You know, there's going to be some, some chop, Um, there's probably going to be some white caps as well, because we're looking at about gusts of about 35 kilometers is what they're calling for. Um, with this, you know, a consistent wind around 20, which isn't too bad. Um, I actually usually like that weather for trolling because you just troll the way the wind's going basically. And, you know, but we're, but we're probably going to jig. Um, but yeah, I'm torn on whether we want to take the, 20-minute jaunt, 25-minute jaunt to the north side or go a little bit closer. Um, we'll probably start closer and uh, all depending on how that wind is. And because uh, We are expecting, I think, a, a thunderstorm later on tonight and uh, if it does get super windy, last thing you want to do is be trapped on the yeah, other side of the lake. Yeah, last thing you want to do is be a half an hour away from <laughs> yeah. the boat launch, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, this will only be my second time taking the boat out. We've just been um, you know, super busy with everything going on. But uh, last time we went in that north side and we just hammered them. It was a lot of fun. So, yeah, yeah. Have you fished around the island this year?
1: Um, we were there for a few hours last night. And uh, there's actually north a, side, south side. I usually fish the north side of the island. Yeah. yeah. Um, the couple of days ago or a week ago, we were we fished the south side, which is I've never really done it. Um, but I was actually looking to try and find a pocket of perch okay um in the weed beds sort of on the south side of the island and uh you know we had a little bit of luck but we were just messing around it was pretty windy that day so yeah usually i'm fishing the north side of the island last night there was actually probably two dozen boats on the west side of the island like there was on the west side of the yeah island. on the open lake side so of the there's island. a
0: big sandbar out there right that's right yeah so they're Obviously they were, uh, past the sandbar because it's pretty shallow.
1: Well, right now but with the lake being so high, there's not much of a, okay. a sandbar. Like uh we were fishing within ten yards of the rocks on the island and still in an eleven west side. or uh, on the north side. On the north side, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And you know, we're only about ten yards from the rocks that oh, are protruding okay. out of the water. Yeah. And uh still at like that eleven feet. Wow. So it, it, you know, the water being so high, the island drop off is that much closer. Yeah um but on that west side i don't usually i don't like fishing that west side because it's just full of snags because there is that sandbar and all the junk junk uh the trees that come off of the off the lake the wind's always blowing against typically always blowing against that side of the island so that's where everything washes up and i've just i've caught my biggest fish in this lake on the west side of the island but i've also lost more hooks probably there than anywhere in my life
0: yeah well i found like that's there's that sandbar it's usually geez probably 80 yards off Mm -hmm. that shore like it goes quite a ways ways, i've been boating in the summer and i haven't veered too far enough out and then you hit four or five feet of water and you're right in there um but i'd imagine if you can find that drop off where that sandbar does drop um, right on that ledge would just be ideal. Yeah. Um, and so there were quite a few guys there last night. There right?
1: was a ton. You know, we, we started heading towards the island. The weather was really nice. You know, it's late. Um, and there was a ton of boats or a ton of trailers in the parking lots and everything. And, you know, there's a f- the, the common few boats out in front of the beach. Um, so we're, come, we're approaching the island. And, you know, there's two boats parked on the, on the east side and the north side. And then we come around the corner to drop anchor. And as soon as we came around the corner, there was like 20 boats just all hanging out sort of in the same little group right off of that, where that sandbar would have been. Yeah. Wow. Unreal. Yeah.
0: Right on. Yeah. So we'll see how today goes. Um, I wouldn't mind checking out the island. It, it's good to, you know, that, that north spot is great, but it's good to just try some different spots, right? Oh, that's
1: a, I just, you know, this year I'm not doing as much fishing as I usually do just because we've been so busy. Yeah. So when I go, I like to just, yeah, you know, if I'm going to go and catch dinner, yeah I'll go to a, a good solid spot. I know I'm going to catch some fish, but otherwise it's more fun to just, you know, go explore. Yeah. And uh, yeah, go try some new stuff, try and catch some different fish.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, we actually caught a few burbot in uh, in late May on the north side of that island. Oh, yeah. That's the first time we pulled burbot through um, the you know, on the boat open rather water, than yeah. uh, in the winter. Yeah. Cause usually we, we slam in the winter time, but, yeah. uh, yeah, in the open water, it's not very often we hook onto them and we did it, They were both. Um, I think it was this, uh, you know, it was late May. So earlier on, on in the season, do
1: you and, remember if uh, you were really deep,
0: uh, I think we were trolling, I'm pretty sure, and I remember it being a cold, miserable day out there, and, uh, you know, we're probably 20 feet if we're yeah. trolling. When we're trolling, we usually troll a little bit deeper, yeah, for sure. uh, typically, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see how that goes, and, uh, hopefully we can, we can, uh, have some fun this afternoon, so. Yeah,
1: I've never, uh, I've never had... I don't think I've ever caught a burbot in the summertime.
0: Okay, yeah, I know. That was a first um, for me. That was the first time we actually ever caught a burbot, let oh, alone yeah, like yeah. in the wintertime or anything. So
1: we catch um, them a ton the, in the wintertime, like a yeah. lot. Almost predominantly, some days is all burbot. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But in that summertime, I know a few guys that do or have, you know, have really good luck fishing for burbot, Yeah. But they go out and fish in like 30 feet of water. Yes. And yeah, then, and we
0: would have been deeper when we when we hooked onto that one.
1: And uh they're you know, but they're bottom feeders and they like the cold and yeah, so that's where they're gonna be.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So yeah, we're creeping up though on archery season, man. Mm-hmm. You know, a few weeks away. Um I'm taking the first four, three or four days of archery to sit in the stand and hopefully uh hopefully get some velvet on the ground. Yeah,
1: you're gonna get your velvet white tail, velvet moose. Yeah, we'll see. Velvet man.
0: elk. We will see. Velvet year, hanging elk, maybe. You know, last year too, when I I tried a new spot. Um, I had set a camera up in this area a couple of weeks before i sat it. So I really wasn't too sure what was there. And, uh, you know, sat the first day. I think I spooked a, a doe and a fawn early on. Didn't see anything all day. Second morning, sure enough, these moose come and it just worked out perfect. Right. And, and so I'm going in this year sort of blind too. like, I've got two or three spots in mind. Um, but I just haven't, I haven't scouted them. I'd like to get some cellular cameras out before I begin. That way I have an idea of where I want to go. Um, But yeah, so, you know, it's, it's usually warm weather. If you get something big down, you got to get it out quick because uh, the weather's warm and things can go sour real quick. Um, And you in the mountains, like you're going to be, if you shoot something that first week of the season, um, it could be fairly warm.
1: Oh, it's definitely going to be. um... Yeah. You know, you're definitely going to get those 20-degree days. Yeah. Hopefully not 30-degree days. No. Um, but you just never know. Oh, your camera just died. Or huh. shut
0: off. Interesting. So there's an hour and a half left of battery on it. Um. So my question is, how far are you going back where you're hunting? Is it a day or two-day uh, trek
1: back there? Uh, it's probably with, well, it's hard to say, but it, yeah, it's probably about a two-day trip out if I was packing meat. Okay. Um,
0: so you have two days with meat on your back. So, yeah. what do you do to preserve that hide, preserve the meat, and everything else? Are so, you bringing salt with you?
1: Yeah. So, um, what I'm going to do and what I always do is uh, I just pack salt. You yeah. know, I, I take, I think I take uh, three pounds of salt. Okay. And so, it's that's basically like the small freezer Ziploc bags. Okay. And I just pack it right full of salt, double bag it so it's not going to split. And that that three pounds is uh you know it's gold to me if I shoot something, yeah, and you know if i'm if I'm walking out and I know I'm not gonna use it, well, I'll just throw it on the ground somewhere and get rid of it, yeah, for sure, um but just just to not have to worry about that hide and it you know getting flies or or starting to turn green on us, yeah. Um, and I know that I'm capable of cleaning it right up, getting all the, uh, all the excess meat and stuff off of it. And I can turn the lips and turn the ears and turn the eyes all out in the bush. And then, you know, I just rub a very light layer of salt. And then I can get all that excess moisture right out of that hide and don't really have to worry about the hide. And I can focus on preserving my, my meat. Yeah. And so what do you do there? So with your meat in the backcountry, you have a few different options. Actually, there's you know there's a a number of different options, and so one of the things you can do well for sure what you want to do is have good game bags. Yeah. And you want to get you know you want to get that meat off the animal as soon as possible. Lay it out, you know even if it's a hot day, lay it out so that it can get below that body temperature at least and get into that ambient air temperature, which is going to be cooler than the internal temperature of the animal. Yeah, for sure. And then you you would really, you really want to get the, if it's hot, you really want to get the bones off. And anytime you're in the backcountry, chances are you're going to want to get the bones out anyway, just for weight. Okay. So debone it, um, lay it all out, let it air, dr- let it dry a little bit, you know, keep it clean, use rocks or game bags or whatever you got. And then uh, when you're ready to pack it all up, put it in your game bags. Um, I would suggest getting good quality game bags that are, you know, fly proof and uh moisture wicking and you know there's good there's a couple multiple different brands out there that you can buy and uh and yeah so start with really good game bags and then in the evenings you know if you're walking i got a two-day walkout so there's going to be at least one night if not two that we have to hang my meat and you definitely want to hang it just so that you can get air circulating around it as yeah. much as possible keeps it
0: cool that's important
1: and then you know, keep it away from the bears yeah. as much as you best you can, and definitely don't sleep under it. Um, that's just you know, it's not a good <laughs> idea. <clears throat> and uh, so yeah, there's you know, you want to if you can find um, a cooler, a cooler area, or what they call I think they call it an, an ecothermal corridor. Okay. And so that's that's an area where either water running. Um, low altitude or lower altitude and just the way the terrain is shaped that it keeps, you know, maybe there's two peaks that block the sun out and the sun never hits this, this certain little valley where the Creek runs through the Creek might also keep the air moving. And so, you know, when you walk into an area, it's just like a you cold feel wall, it. you a, feel that ambient t- Yeah,
0: cooler for sure. Yeah. You
1: feel that ambient temperature change right away. And you know, you might get a shiver or you might just notice you walk out of it, uh, out of one of those areas, and it's just like a wall of heat. Yeah. Um. So do do your best to find one of those areas. It's constant shade throughout the day. Um. You know, maybe some water moving. <clears throat> uh, definitely some wind moving. You know, you don't want that stagnant air somewhere just a pocket which is sitting because it's gonna be hot anyway in that yeah. case. And uh, hang your meat there, and then uh, that's your best chance. You know, you can keep meat. You can keep meat in a refrigerator for weeks, yeah months if you wanted to, as long as it stays below that temperature where bacteria starts to grow, right, yeah. which is like three to five degrees, something yeah. like that, and so in those you know as long as you have good game bags and you find a low temperature area like that, that's your best bet to uh just keep it you know keep the bugs off first of all and then keep it from actually like rotting and yeah. starting to uh ferment and that's and what that's turns green
0: that and keeping it cool with and the getting breeze the air on them. circulating it yeah that's yeah. super important
1: and you know if you have a chance you know if you get if you're making camp early if, which is a, a good suggestion if you're packing meat stop early make camp so that you set everything up properly and you have the time to do it in the light um lay your meat out again and you know maybe pat it dry with something if you can do that and just keep the moisture off the meat as best you can yeah and then once that once a crust starts forming on it same as when you're hanging your deer in your shed, um, once that crust starts forming on it, that crust will actually protect the inside of the meat. Yeah. Almost 100%. It's kind of like a scab that just grows all the way around just the like chunk aging, of meat. Just like aging it, yeah. beef. Yeah. And so once that once that crust is on there, you're uh, you're pretty much safe to go, you know, you still don't want it boiling in your backpack no. or anything like that. As long as you keep it cool, though, your meat's going to be just fine. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, there's a million different tips out there. Um, but for meat, that's, that's the best bet. You know, if you're hanging, if you're bringing a tarp, you could, uh, hang your meat under the tarp and maybe have a, a smudge going with a little bit of smoke and keep the flies off it. But really, if you're going to be in the back country, chances are you're going to have really good game bags or at least some kind of game bag. Don't put your meat in a garbage bag. That's one thing that a lot of guys do for some reason.
0: And garbage, like, game bags are so much easier. It's not like a garbage bag is easier to use. It's not at all. Game bags are cleaner. They allow it to breathe. And, and that's uh, the
1: biggest thing is a garbage bag will hold all that moisture. And well, and so you're going to have
0: rips in that bag, and no, game bags are the way to go.
1: And uh, same with your hide. Don't put your hide in a garbage bag. Um, Put it in a game bag. Yeah. Like, yeah. bring an extra game bag and put your hide in a game bag. Yeah. And that, you know, the moisture is your worst enemy when you're out there. So, I, I pack garbage bags. Um, you know, I take two contractor bags with me. They're in every one of my backpacks. Okay, and yeah. it's, you know, it's just because it's a multi-purpose item you can use for yeah. almost anything.
0: Especially a contractor bag. Those yeah, thicker, like a thick, ones, a good yeah. thick, heavy one. Yeah.
1: And so, what you can do with a garbage bag is, you know, put your meat in it. If, you ha- if it, you're in a really hot area, something you can do is... Put your meat in a garbage bag, seal it completely, yeah, and then put it in the creek. I was yeah, and submerge it. And that's you know that's a wilderness refrigerator right there, yeah, especially sure. in a mountain stream that's running at like one degree, yeah, you know, almost frozen. Um, and then you know you could you so could live an there option. and eat and eat your meat for months. Yeah,
0: that's an option if you got a little farther hike out. If it's going to take you an extra day or two. Um, or if that weather is just super, or if hot you just yeah, you just can't, can't find a cool, a, a
1: cool spot, and and you know that's why there's that many options out there. So many guys have run into all these problems. And you're um, deboning
0: um, all your animal too, right? So, um, you know, you can more than likely get everything into one bag.
1: Oh, absolutely. When you're talking no like problem. a sheep or a yeah, mule deer, for sure. Um, something like that, like a smaller, smaller animal, you yeah. can definitely get, um, you know, three game bags will do you. Especially if you're taking all the all the bones. And so, like, when you kill a sheep, you're
0: taking the whole
1: hide out. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think I'd be able to leave any of it there. Man,
0: I've seen how much those hides go for, and it's it would be a shame to cut that shoulder off and just take a shoulder mount.
1: I feel the same way about black bears, um, but we're not going to get into that <laughs> just because I, there's a lot of guys that cut black bears in half and stuff, and yeah. and half it you know half is one thing. Um, but I don't really agree with the shoulder mount black yeah. bear thing. Um, but, you know what, when it comes to sheep and deer and, and, and well, deer and moose and all that stuff, you know, I, I'm okay with the shoulder mount because it's more of a meat thing for okay, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the sheep being a sheep and yeah. being, especially my first one, I don't think I could put a knife... And and leave like I don't you think know. I could turn my back and walk away from any part of that animal. Yeah. Well I
0: have like, you know, in the business that we're in, I've had guys looking for sheep capes or I've seen ads for sheep capes and like a life-size bighorn sheep cape will like a, a full body hide will go for like twelve thousand bucks, fifteen thousand wow. bucks. It's just crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And then to hack that off, um, I'm not saying to sell it, but I'm saying um that thing has so much value you know and and we're fortunate that we have a general sheep season um and we don't know how long that's going to last we're one of the last places in north america that you can buy an over-the-counter counter counter tag and go hunt sheep every year you can get one what every three years every second year so if you harvest
1: you have to wait a whole year
0: yeah so um you know, we're pretty fortunate that we have that. And I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised one bit if 10 years from now that's gone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, if you got one, I think you got to go life-size Yeah. For the and, first and,
1: one. And the value of it's an interesting point because, like you said, like I'm not going to turn around and sell this life-size sheep body. But the the reason it's worth like 12000 yeah. bucks is because the guy that kills that animal is going to do one of two things or one of three things he's going to take all of it yeah. because it means something to him. He's going to cut it in half and take half of it because he wants the shoulder mount or whatever, right? Yeah. Or he's just going to be like, "No, I'm, you know, I'm not taking the hide. I'm just taking the meat and the horns and that's good enough." Yeah. But because it's so much work, you mm-hmm. you're not getting guys like you. How, how it's it's very easy for us to find whitetail capes in the fall. Yeah. Really, <laughs> right? Because yeah. everybody just Everybody shoots it, everybody takes a back hole, they throw it in their truck hole and they skin it at home. Yeah. But nobody's nobody's packing a full sheep cape no. out to no. throw it in the garbage at home. Yeah. No. Right? Or or to like bring it to a taxidermist. Yeah. Unless you got a buddy that's like, hey dude, if you shoot a sheep, can I get your cape? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I'll pack it out for you. Chances are that guy, you know, unless he's a real good buddy, he ain't gonna pack that sheep no. cape out for you. Yeah. And take care of it for multiple days and and turn it and and, and salt it yeah. and and just take care of it, right? And so that's why those things are so unique is because people aren't willing... They're either willing to take it and it's so much value to them yeah. at heart that they're not going to turn around and sell it or they're not taking it at all and, and shoulder
0: mounts are great. Like, you know, most people are going to get a shoulder mount sheep. Yeah. And um, it's
1: easy, you know, and, and I'm not going to knock you for wanting a shoulder mount. Just yeah. for me, I don't think I could turn around.
0: Oh, I would. I would 100% go life size. But, um, you know, it's a little bit easier for you and I because that's, you know, we're here all day long working in a taxidermy yeah. shop and whatnot. Um, but... You know, shoulder mounts are great. Most guys go shoulder mount, but once you see the value of that cape, um, you sort of get a different perspective. And uh, you know, I know if I if a sheep hit the ground, I I would not put a knife through that. But then again, you got to pack that thing out, right? So if you're going in solo, um, that's a lot of extra weight. If you're going out with two guys, no, that's going to help quite a bit. And, uh, you know, you should have an extra guy with you this year by the looks of things. Yeah. Um, so that will help considerably. Um, cause you got to think like you got that meat and then the hide and that head will probably weigh as much as your meat will, or more.
1: Yeah. Well, especially or a bighorn more. head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. the nice thing, you know, I, I do have confidence that I will be able to, I, I know that I know how to take every little inch of the excess I don't need off yeah. of that hide. Like I can flesh it. I'm not going to leave any big chunks of meat on it. You know, I'm going to get the hoofs right down to the knuckle. Yeah. Take the feet out of it. Um, you know, skin out the tail and all those little things, you know, that's going to take all that extra weight that just doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And then of course, you know, I am packing salt, but it's just, that's just the value of the animal if I do get the opportunity to harvest it to me. And so you, when you kill
0: that sheep, um, you're skinning the head out right then and there
1: yeah and I'll take yeah the skulls gonna come out of the head yeah um, you have to leave the skull intact or at least I think you have to leave the eye sockets intact yeah on sheep can you um, take
0: the bottom jaw off them
1: I'm I' will have to I'll look, have into, to that look into that yeah. for sure um I know mm. in the Yukon you have to leave the Just eye to sockets save on weight I think but yeah yeah but you know, yeah you know what I'm gonna do absolutely everything I can um, that's as long as it's legal to take every little chunk of meat you know i'm gonna clean the skull right out I'm dig the brains all out um you know take all the meat off the skull and everything and yeah. have it as clean as possible because that's just weight
0: yeah you know and and if you're
1: going to salt that hide
0: it is so important to get every little piece of meat off um you know we get hides occasionally and here where guys think they're doing good by salting the hide and if you salt over top of that meat um that's literally you're doing, doing a
1: disservice. No,
0: yeah, you're doing a disservice because that salt is actually covering that piece of meat, which is keeping that meat um, from drying it's out. Preserving it. it's preserving it, right? So, um, and then what's going to happen is you're going to take the taxidermist is going to take that meat off, and you're going to have a green spot in your hide, basically, and all your hair is going to fall out at that point. There,
1: yeah, and it's and it's um, it's funny because you know guys come in here and they'll you know a few times guys drop off, you know, four bears. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, we salted two of them for you. Yeah. And they're like, for Great. us. <laughs> and then, you know, they got a smile on their face yeah. like they did you a favor. And, and it's they like, think mm. they did,
0: right? And so we try and like, I made a few posts this year, um, you know, of when to salt an animal and when not to salt an animal. And you know what, if you're in a situation that you're in, or if you're at an outfitting camp, or if you just can't get that animal in a deep freeze within or, yeah. 36 hours. Um, you know, 24 hours is sort of, some might go 36 hours if it's cool. Off
1: the body though,
0: right? Off the, oh, it's got to be off the it's body. It's got to be ASAP. off the body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the absolute best thing to do and what I'm going to do, if I get an animal down those first four days of archery season, when it's warm, I'm not in a backcountry spot. I'm I'm somewhere where I've got to hike maybe a kilometer at most. So anything that I kill, I'm gonna have it out of the bush within 12 hours, yeah. 12 hours. Like we had the moose out last time within four hours, five hours. So anything I kill, it's gonna be out of the bush quick. So, you know, if I get something big down like a moose, um, I'm almost always, because everywhere I'm hunting, I can't usually get a quad to that spot. So I'm quartering that animal up, putting it in game bags, hiking each quarter out, um, you know, taking the ribs and taking the head and everything else. And then bringing my meat to the butcher and the hide for the shoulder mount or life size or whatever, that is going in the freezer immediately. Um, now obviously I know how to skin out the head. So I'll skin that head out and that hide's going to go in the freezer immediately. And that's the best thing to do guys. If you get a deer down, if it's in velvet or if you get a sheep down or, or whatever, if you can get that off out of the woods or off the mountain or whatever, within 24 hours and get that in a deep freeze to freeze it. That's the best thing to do. Because if you bring it through a taxidermist, that guy's dealing with hundreds of hides every single year. So you give that to him frozen, um, and he can make sure that thing's fleshed properly, salted properly, lips, ears, eyes, everything turned. Now, if you're in a situation like you... Like you explained, you would basically flesh that hide completely, get all the meat off of it, and then salt it thoroughly, let it air out overnight, and then the next day you can basically fold it up or whatever, get it in your pack.
1: And on that note, every night I'm going to be opening it back up again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be dumping the wet salt or scraping the wet salt, because there's going to be puddles forming inside of it, especially if it's rolled up, which is what you're going to want to do is skin to skin after you salted it, skin to skin, and then roll it up really nice so it stays clean. You're going to want to open it back up every night or whenever you're dealing with your meat, and you're going to want to scrape those puddles and get all that water out of there because that's what that salt's doing is pulling the moisture out of the skin.
0: Exactly, yeah. That salt's pulling the moisture out of the skin, and you're going to have little pools of pockets of water. and especially
1: in in all your folds and your corners and, you know, in your face and stuff. And um, where the wound was, too, Where your bullet or your arrow went through, make sure you really rub salt into that spot, particularly because there's all that extra moisture from the blood and the shock. And then, yeah, so then I'm going to save a little bit of salt initially, and I'm going to re-salt those areas very lightly because there's already salt in the leather. But once I get that moisture out, I'm just going to add a little bit of fresh salt. Yeah. And that's just going to, you know, work the next day. Yeah, Before and, and you're it.
0: always going to have moisture and water, or moisture pooling up in that salt. Like here, we salt uh, hides almost every day, or every other day. We're salting a hide, and uh, you know, by the next day, you got little little pockets of of moisture that's that's brought out from that hide and it's pooled up in the salt and you want to make sure you get that off because the whole idea of salting that hide is preserving it so you want it to dry out is what you want so if you aren't hiking and it's not in your pack have that hide open now if it's raining um, you're going to want to keep that hide covered or you're almost best just keeping it in your pack until you got some dry weather basically
1: yeah, absolutely. Like if you can open it up, maybe under like a dry pine tree or yeah. uh, under, you know, I, I carry a guide tarp with me all the time. Perfect. So if it's raining, I'm going to have my meat hung, my hide hung open, and then I'm going to have my tarp draped over it to keep the rain off it. Yeah. And, you know, same with your meat. If it's raining, you you ha- you got you still got to hang it. Um, You can't, you know, unless you're going to put it in the river, you got to air it out. It okay. can't stay in your pack overnight. Um, so yeah, find, find a dry spot and, and at least get your meat open. Yeah. But if you're going to sacrifice your hide, like if it's going to get more wet by attempting to air it out, then yeah, keep it in your pack. Yeah. But I do not suggest leaving your meat in your pack because if your meat gets wet, that's one thing. It yeah. needs to cool more than anything. Yeah, okay. But yeah, definitely the hide. Like don't don't sacrifice it getting more wet by well, trying to air it out. Well, just the
0: issue is if you get it, like if, if it stops raining at 3 a.m., we'll get outside and open that hide up um but if you get if you salt that hide and then it gets soaking wet again well then you got a lot of work drying that hide oh, out because if you got to roll it up wet then you're going to have some major issues because the last thing you want guys is a hide getting wet and then getting warm um that's just not what you want you know we've had guys who have brought us hides and coolers that were filled with ice by the time we got them it was all water hide soup you got a bear sitting in water, and that is not good. So a lot of people overthink it. A lot mm-hmm. of people think, you know, I got this this bear down. I, I've got it skinned out. I got to salt it for these guys, or I got to get it in a cooler with ice, and then I'll bring it there tomorrow morning. Well, you know what? If you can't get it in the deep freeze, um, the best thing to do maybe is just keep that hide cool. Don't yeah. salt it. Don't put and, it in and ice.
1: drastic temperature change is really bad. Yeah. So if, it's, if you're cooling it, but then five, six hours later, it's hot again. Yeah. And then you're going to try and cool it again. That's where your hair is going to start falling
0: out. And so you can salt the hides, guys. You can salt the hides, but you have to make sure that that head is skinned out, those hoofs or paws are skinned out, and you have all the meat off that hide.
1: And it's very, very important, um, your lips on your head. If you're going to salt your face, you have to... If you're going to go to the work of taking the skull out of the hide, then do the work of watching a YouTube video and learning how to turn the lips. Because if you're you're capable of taking the head off without making a bunch of holes, you're absolutely capable of turning the lips.
0: Well, but here's one. The lips are one thing, but the ears are the other. Because if you don't turn those ears, you're going to have no hair in your ears. That's right. Um, And they're a little bit tougher, but but they can be done and they, you know, once you do one or two, it's quite easy. Um, so if you do have, you know, a, a hunt planned here in August or even September, and you have to, uh, you're gonna have a few days getting that animal in the deep freezer, getting it out in the bush, watch a YouTube video, figure out how to skin yeah. out the head of that animal, how to turn the lips, turn the ears, turn the eyes, and get the knuckles and uh, paws out of those animals. Right. So you, yeah. uh, you're prepared because you know, it's, you got to take care of that hide. You you got to preserve it. And if you have two days to get off the mountain, you got to get that head out. And if you don't know how to skin out that head, you're going to have no more eyes. You're going to have no nose or lips. Um, you're going to have half an ear by the time you get that hide off. And you're and doing you,
1: you're doing a ton of work, basically, for the taxidermist to turn around and say, dude, I might need to buy another hide.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to get you a new cape. And yeah. then you, you blew it. You aren't going to have your cape, yeah. right? So, um, you know... And if you have any questions, guys, we've skinned out nearly every North American animal and, several, several times.
1: <laughs> and every, and almost everything else,
0: you like, know, one n- time or, the, yeah. or another. All, so we, we've we done it all. Shoot us a message if you have any questions at all. Um, we'd be happy to to help you out one-on-one and, and answer any questions you have. Um, but just field care, guys, is so important. You know, um, there is nothing that will preserve a hunt and preserve memories more than... shoulder mount hanging on the wall taking care just
1: taking care of your trophy that's what it starts with right
0: and you know i i see so i've been doing taxidermy for eight years and i'm i love it i love seeing good taxidermy from you know other studios and whatnot and then i see some photos that aren't so great but i don't ever blame that on the taxidermist because Everything starts from the moment that animals hit the ground. That's right. If that guy brings you a deer cape that is slipping all over the place, that he's salted and there's big chunks of meat on, or he might not—it might have been sitting in his truck for three days before he brought it to you, and the ears freeze, freeze dried. You can't—you can't blame everything on the taxidermist because the most important part is taking care of that hide from that time that animal hits the ground until. It's basically Either tanned. F- frozen or tanned. Frozen yeah. or tanned, right? So um, so just make sure, guys, like I said, number one, the best thing you can do is get that animal in a deep freeze, skinned out. You can leave the head in, but get the hide in a deep freeze within 24, 36 hours. Yep. That's the best thing you can do. Um, if you can't do that, well, then you're going to have to learn how to skin out that head, turn the lips, ears, eyes and uh flesh that hide and get it salted
1: and and you can back to the we're talking about um whether or not you should open that hide up or not um a lot of guys don't take salt into the backcountry and that's fine and you can absolutely just like you can care for your meat you can absolutely care for that leather that hide um without salt yeah you can and and make it make it out perfectly fine um well you know a lot of guys do backcountry bear hunts and uh or, or you know, same for sheep, where you're gonna haul out a, a, a whole hide. Um, you know, if it is salted and you have it rolled up, and we're talking about it raining, if you got it salted, you're already a step ahead. Yeah. So don't don't sacrifice it by throwing it out in the rain. No. If it's it's already salted and if you did a good job skinning it, you could leave that thing salted and rolled up. Probably, for, I'm not gonna suggest anything, but probably a couple of days and it should be all right. Should. Should be all right. As long as you have a a
0: good few hours of drying on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if when you saw, you weren't going to salt that hide in the rain. Um, You know, like, what you got to, like, realistically, guys, when that sheep hits the ground, you could skin that animal out 10 hours after you shot it, and it would probably be fine. Mm hmm. You know, you could, sometimes you got to leave them overnight. That's right. Sometimes it rolls all the way down to the mountain. It's pitch black and it's in a bunch of fucking trees and you can leave it till the next morning. And it's going to be fine if the Mm -hmm. bears didn't get it. Um, So you're going to be skinning out that animal ideally when it's not raining salting that animal when it's not raining and leave that to dry for a few hours. And as long as you can get a few hours of dry time on that. If you gotta leave it rolled up for twelve hours while it's raining or ten hours, well that's fine. But once it stops raining, get it open back up. Yeah. Um and you know by then you're on day two or three you might be out of the balance.
1: And then, just so. just all we're suggesting is put the work in. Yeah. Don't be afraid gotta, to put the work in.
0: You gotta know how to skin out a head yeah. though. You gotta know how to turn ears, you know, the thing with ears is there's hair on those ears and when you have slippage um, and spoilage in the hide the hide itself is usually fine
1: oh the leather the preserves leather is fine, fine
0: but your hair is falling out okay so if you got a hole in or if you got hair in the body that slipped, well we would just cut that out stitch it up and and you might know that oh hey i uh, had slippage there and that might be why the hair is a little different Coloration or something, right? You might know that 90% of the guys at see your mount will never see it. Mm-hmm. But if your hair on your ears slip, well, you're sort of hooped yeah. because we're going
1: to get us painted. and We're going to put
0: earliners in there, they're going to fit your animal to a T. But if I got to cut out a two inch circle or three inch circle, that's going to throw everything mm-hmm. out. Um, so, you know. If you're listening to this podcast, as soon as we're done, go on to YouTube, figure out how to skin out a, a sheep head or a velvet deer head. Um, and that's another thing, velvet. Velvet's got to be cared for just like your hide, basically. And, um, you know, one thing I've actually been thinking of doing is selling velvet injection kits. Oh, yeah. So you basically give the guy two needles and give the guy a liter of velvet injection. He knows he has a hunt coming up. Caribou is one thing because caribou, if you don't have them injected within 24 hours, that velvet's coming off.
1: Um,
0: you know, so deer again, these the velvet you want to treat almost just like just like your cape. Like you want that velvet in the deep freeze within 24, 36 hours. So when the taxidermist gets it, it'll he can thaw it out and then inject mm-hmm. the velvet and preserve it. Um, or you got to inject that velvet within 24 to 36 hours with um a tanning agent is what we use. Um now one thing you can do, I'm sort of jumping off of the last one and we're going to talk about velvet here. One thing you can do guys if you're going on let's say um a caribou hunt in August and you have you're up there for a set amount of time, let's say 10 days. You kill your caribou on day 3 or 4 or 5 and you still have 5 days to go. Most outfitters, they strip the velvet because they know there's not a chance in hell it's going to last. Yeah. Um, some outfitters will have formaldehyde or a tanning agent to inject it. Um, one thing you can do is you can, to preserve that velvet for about another four or five days, is bring a box of borax with you. So borax is a powder, and it actually works as um, a preservative. Um, we actually use it on some smaller hides, like squirrels and weasels. And we've had some that I've had on my wall for 20 years. It says five years old. It's as good as the day we mounted it. And that what that's gonna do is you're gonna rub that all over that velvet, coat it really nice, and you're actually gonna wrap saran wrap around it. And um, that'll give you about five days. And uh, that will preserve that velvet, and it'll actually tan that velvet quite well. So you want to do that within 24 or 36 hours of that animal hitting the ground.
1: I never... I, we, we use borax lots here. I never knew that yeah. about That's uh, a little caribou. trick with
0: velvet. Yeah, I've talked to a few taxidermists that suggest guys to do that. And I guess it works well. And, you know, caribou, we we do a few each year. And almost all of them were shot with velvet. And by the time we get them, they have no velvet.
1: A lot of guys put them in the, in the lake underwater exactly, for a few days and then get the, that velvet off and then you know and then they just strip it or the fish eat it off and yeah yeah
0: um we had a guy who shot one up in the yukon he drove it down because was a self-guided hunt and we had it five days after we injected it, put fans on it to cool it, and in it had fallen off. Yeah, it just it, it doesn't it doesn't stay. You got to get that thing. Well, you have to remember that that's thirty six hours. That's a
1: very thin layer of skin, right? Yeah, and it's just filled with nothing but blood.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when we're injecting that, we're putting a needle underneath the velvet. And we're pumping that tanning fluid right underneath that velvet until all the blood is flushed out, and so it takes a bit of time. Um, and if you have something big like a caribou, you know you'll spend three or four hours just getting that velvet flushed.
1: And you have to do it very well because there's pockets.
0: Yeah, very well. If you don't, if 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 that velvet isn't coated underneath completely with that tanning solution, um, you're going to have patches coming off. So, um, delicate stuff, guys, you know, most people that are listening to this podcast are probably going to be hunting deer or elk or moose or something, you know, that first week of archery season, um, somewhere where they're going to be able to get that animal back home or in a deep freeze within 36 hours. And if you can do that, the best thing to do is bring it to your taxidermist right away or get that hide in the deep freeze and get that velvet in the deep freeze frozen. Once it's frozen, you're safe. If you gotta leave that thing in there for three months or two months, it's all good. You can do that. Um, The issue that you run into when you freeze animals for too long is freeze drying. I always say you gotta look at it like a steak, okay? So if if we went and cut some steaks and I eat, say three of them, but I put one in the deep freeze, if I just put that steak in the deep freeze without it being in a bag or sealed, it's gonna freeze dry. Within, within, a week. A of weeks, yeah. within a couple weeks, within a couple weeks, it's gonna freeze dry. But if I put that steak in a bag, it's gonna last a little longer. Now, if I vacuum seal that bag so no air can get to that steak, that steak's gonna last a year, and that's just like your hides. Okay, so if you put a hide in the deep freeze and it's not in a bag, it's gonna your ears, nose, and eyes—they're all gonna freeze dry, quick within a few months. Um, if you shoot a deer, put it in your shed. And it's not in a bag, which guys have done before, the eyelids are going to be freeze-dried. The ears are going to be freeze-dried. Yeah, Yeah, and we're going to have issues. Um, But now if you shoot that deer, skin out that head, wrap it in a bag, double-bag it, put it in your deep freeze, you're good for about six months. Um, If you can get all the air out of it, triple-bag it, you might be good for nine months. Um, So you just got to take the proper steps from when these animals hit the ground um, until the time you bring them to your taxidermist. And you are forever going to have a beautiful mounts mm-hmm. that aren't going to have any slippage. You're going to get your capes back. You aren't going to have to use other guys' capes. And, um, and that's where it starts. That is so important. From the time that animal hits the ground um, until the time you get it to the taxidermist, you have full control over the outcome of that hide. Um, once the taxidermist has it, it's in his hands, right? Um, but you got to set him up for success by giving him a quality hide that's been taken care of.
1: Yeah, and you know what? It's it's unfortunate the uh, the amount of really quality or trophy class animals that come in that you know have been or starting to turn green. Or, you know, they have a funky smell to them. Or they come in in uh, a cooler full of water. And, uh, you know, guys you know guys try. But if you, re- if you don't know, then trying might just dig you a deeper hole. So just, you know, if you need to shoot us a message or go on YouTube, there's plenty of content out there about taking care of your trophies in the field and what you should do when you get home with them if you can't get them right to a taxidermist. Just do the animal justice. You're putting the work in, put that extra work in and make sure that, you know, you are setting your taxidermist up for success. Yeah, and I have no, no doubt, intentions are always good, right?
0: If a guy, that cooler that we got a, a bear in or a deer in that was filled with water, his intentions were good. He wanted to keep that hide cold. He wanted to keep it preserved till he got it to us, um, but just not well thought out because that ice is going to melt. It's going to be soaking in water. And a lot of guys too, um, you know, they, they shot a bear, and it was a little bit dirty, and they're like, "Oh, I want to wash it." So I took the garden hose to it. Well, now that animal was wet for two days, and it got warm, and now we're seeing slippage. And um, the and the salting,
1: the yeah. salting over meat is it just cannot. Yeah, it's you can't talk about that enough. That it's not, you gotta get that meat off. I've even yeah, I've even been in outfitting camps where where guys think it's okay to just, um, particularly bears, skin out bears, leave all the fat on them or, you know, whatever's left when they skin them out, and then cut X's in the fat, just slash through the fat, and get to that skin, and then rub salt all over it. And they think just, you, you know, that you're not getting down to the skin, and salt has been used for millions of years. Human race have been fighting over salt for the purpose of preserving meat, preserving food. Back in the day before we had refrigeration, they would take, say you had a roast, uh, a, a kind roast off like a moose. Well, they would coat that in salt all the way around a thick layer of salt, and then they could leave it somewhere cool for weeks, right? And that salt would cause that crust, and then that that piece of meat inside would be just fine. So what you're doing, if you're not cleaning that hide off, is you're doing the exact same thing. You're coating that piece of meat in a nice Preserving, preserving layer of salt that meat's going to be just fine underneath and that hide's probably going to be just fine around it but the hide and where the hide and the meat are touching nothing's getting in there and that's where your bacteria is going to grow yeah
0: and so salt plays a crucial role in in the tanning of it and yep. in preserving of that hide but if it's not done properly Um, it does some major damage to those hides
1: and you know what and you get you know not, not only do you get green patches and slippage but you also get that grease burn yeah of where you know fat has been dried on to hide yeah yeah we've seen that before and that's really tough yeah because then it actually it's almost like the fat does its own sort of improper tanning to the hide yeah and that's what we call the grease burn, and it's it's makes it crinkly, it makes it hard, it doesn't take the softening properly. Um, when you go to flesh it, it gets it's just terrible, it can be a nightmare, um, and yeah, you're just you're just causing more problems. Yeah, you know, and and we actually see that grease burn in bears
0: that haven't been salted sometimes when they've been skinned out and guys have left four inches yeah, of fat on absolutely. those bears, and then they froze it for six or nine months, and it gives that fat time to just soak into yeah. the hide. Whether it's frozen or not, that hide will still pull all the oil out of that fat.
1: And uh, I don't know, this just came to my head, but Grease or uh, bear fat goes rancid in the freezer. Okay, yeah. And that's why, you know, I always say clean all your bear fat off your meat if you're taking your bear meat because your meat will be fine in the freezer. But bear fat is just different. It's different than pork fat. It's different than red meat fat. It's just different. It actually goes rancid within a week or two of being frozen. Okay, yeah. So maybe that has to do with it. Probably does. Because what's happening or or what, what is happening to these hides when they are frozen full of fat is, you know, that grease is just, it's it's going rancid against the skin.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, we've seen that a time or two. Um, but what I was saying too earlier is salt does play a crucial role in taxidermy and tanning and preserving that hide. If you know how to properly skin out and flesh a hide and salt that hide it'll last a year two years three years and you are doing everybody a favor and you're doing everyone a favor like we get hides from new zealand and and even africa um africas can be hit or miss but they'll be salted there and we'll receive them dried and that hide you can tan that thing four years after it's been salted three years two years a year is sort of ideal you don't want to get into the three or four but you can um a little bit tougher to rehydrate but once that hide is salted and 100 dried it will last a few years Forever. before you are ready to tan it to oh rehydrate. yeah absolutely
1: it. yeah and, and you know what i have little animals that i've just salted yeah and you know work them just so they're semi-soft like yeah. squirrels or muskrats and stuff and they're you know almost 10 years old now the hair holds fine you know they're just they're preserved they're not necessarily tanned yeah yeah. and they're never gonna you know i'm never gonna try and mount them or anything they're just a a a chunk of fur but it's preserved yeah and and once all that moisture's out completely 100 percent and uh there's no bacteria uh no agent of bacteria like meat or just anywhere for it to grow then that thing will be fine forever Exactly. As far as preserving it.
0: Yeah. But if you want to get that thing mounted, um, you know, get that in the deep freeze right away. Or if you have to salt it, just make sure you know how to skin everything out, flesh it well, and then salt it. So yeah, guys, you know, we're wishing everyone all the best. Um, we're creeping up on the season here. I know I'm getting super excited for those first few sits. You know, the first few though, they're long days. You know, get in there at G six, seven a.m. and you're sitting till nine o'clock at night. Uh, it can be taxing on the mind, but, uh, you yeah, know, we a, just do it for that one freaking moment, right? Those
1: first, uh, couple weeks of hunting season, you're working with 16, 17 hours of Yeah, late. I know. It's,
0: it's <laughs> a long day. A lot of time for a, a deer or a moose to stroll on by, but, um, but it can be mentally taxing. Um, uh, but when it all comes together, uh, it's, you can't match it. It no, it's is one of the like most special things in the world. Why we do what we do. Yeah. So yeah. so I'm hoping, man, I can get one down. And like I said, everywhere I'm hunting, um, I may be able to get a quad in there. Usually not. Usually I can get a quad within about 300 to 300 yards of where my stands are. Um, so I'm, you know, packing the animals out a little bit, but not too far. Uh, you know, even if it's a deer, I would more than likely, you know, quarter that thing up and pack it out. Um, you know, game bags are super important. I was that guy, you know, three, four, five years ago who uh, just had a few garbage bags in my pack and I'd toss, shoot a deer and he'd toss a few quarters in the garbage bag, but then they'd break a hole through and they're falling out of the bag and they're rolled there. And it's just, you're doing a disservice to that animal. You're doing a disservice to yourself. Um, you just getting aren't getting all you can out of.
1: Yeah, perfect, um, perfect example is uh, so, y- your bear, right? Your yeah. bear we got this spring. I had game, I always keep, game bags in my pack yeah. and you know you, you you start skinning it off and you got two guys well brody pulls you know we we skin everything out on the hide as you're doing it and yeah. you lift the quarter up but once it's released from the body i hold the game bag that thing literally never has to touch the ground no and then yeah. once it's in the game bag we'll throw it on the ground if, and you, even have if to. you
0: are by yourself like i was by myself when i was getting that moose out last year when i was quartering it and the way those game bags are like you can lift a quarter up and just stretch it. They're right like a over. big sock, a big sock. So it's like pulling your a sock on your foot. Um, that meat never really has to get mm-hmm. dirty. If you mm-hmm. take your time and that's so important too, is not to get overwhelmed in these situations. And every, most people do. I know I would say I probably did when I got that moose down last year. If you watched the episode that aired on sportsman a few weeks ago, the last scene Last scene of the episode, you would have seen my finger was wrapped up in electrical tape while I was gutting that moose and I whacked my finger right to the bone with the Havilon. that wasn't aired in the episode. But I had blood shooting three feet in the air and I just got I might have got overwhelmed. I might have got overexcited um, and I got a little careless. Right. So yeah. it's so important just to calm yourself down, um, you know, and take your time when you're doing these things. And it's so important too to be prepared to take and harvest an animal or get that animal out properly um you know we hunt every day we go hunting we don't expect to get something but we have to plan you always have to to get something you got to be prepared right um so make sure you got game bags make sure you've got you know a few sharp knives make sure you got a plan make sure you um you know have someone to call if you're hunting moose or elk to help you out if you need the help um and always be prepared to to haul meat out cuz you just you can't really predict anything you no. know um things can happen quick with you know you could have a slow day for 6 hours and you could have a moose underneath you within 15 seconds and you got a moose on the ground and you got a big animal to haul out of there so um you know have a plan set in place and uh, it's even good to have a backup plan and um you know that meat when when you kill an animal in August um When I killed that moose, I think the afternoon warmed up to like 25, 26 degrees. And so I made sure the week before I started that I could get meat to the butcher. I was only expecting to get a deer, but I got a moose. And so I had that meat, you know, from the time that animal hit the ground to the time I got it to the butcher was.
1: Yeah, you didn't even have to stop at home, right? You just went straight to the butcher. I
0: quartered that up and I actually had a friend come out and help me. Um, And so. From where I could get that meat to, we basically put it in the side-by-side side and got it to the truck, and then it was straight the truck to the butcher. Um, and yeah, it, it worked out just perfect. But if I couldn't get it to a butcher, I would have hung it overnight and then, you know, got it to a different butcher the next morning, or I would have had to start doing it myself. That's right. Um, which I haven't, haven't got accustomed to yet, but i'd like to it's just there's some only so much time in a freaking day man and
1: i i enjoy it i always butcher my own meat um you know we do several deer a year a couple bears a year you know hopefully hopefully maybe this year an elk or a couple moose yeah um but i just really like um you know i don't i'll take meat i'll take cuts to the butcher to get sausage and stuff made up um, just cause that's not something that really interests me. I don't need to be making my own jerky yet or stuffing my own sausages or I'm just not into that. Um, so yeah, I, I, like to, I like to take it home, hang it in the garage and, uh, do it all myself. Right on, right on, man. Well,
0: I, uh, I gotta get in the lake and do yeah, some you're fishing. You're eager to get out there. Yeah. I can't wait. So you're going to get out too, maybe?
1: Yeah, uh, we might we might get out there. Let's yeah. see. It's it's a little windy out there, but it is. it's, it's yeah, coming we'll from the other see. end of the lake, so maybe Hopefully it's not too bad. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe the water's nice out in front of the beach there. Yeah. Well, guys, we hope you learned something today.
0: Um, you know, this is a podcast that we wanted to do for a while, and just go over the importance of field care. And uh, I'm wishing everyone all the best this season. You know, you'll hear from us a few more times before uh, the 25th start of archery season here in Alberta. Um, and I hope you're enjoying the episodes we've been releasing on Sportsman Channel. Um, you know we had a lot of fun putting that season together, but this next one, guys, it's going to be it's going to be uh, uh, something else. We've had a lot of fun hunts already this year. We've had a ones. hell of a spring. It's been something else, and this fall is going to be, uh, it's one, gonna for be one for the books as well. One for the books is right.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Cool, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it big time.